your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, Cammie, today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, We're going to do a what if, where we take a look back at some of the biggest what ifs. But before we get started, make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow me at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cami at Cami and G. Follow the show LO underscore Longhorns. Also, wherever you're listening to this podcast, give us a rating, subscribe. Uh, it's the best way for other Texas Longhorn fans to get involved in the conversation. And with today's show and today's questions that we're going to be talking about, or, or situations that we're going to be talking about, we want you to we want you to join in on the conversation. You know, tweet at us. Tweet at the Tweet at the podcast site at LO underscore Longhorns. Tweet at me, Cammie. Weigh in about your big what ifs. Um, but we're going to start it off with a very painful what if, Cammie, here on a Locked on Longhorns what if episode. What if Blake Gideon, I know that's a curse word around Texas Longhorn athletics, <laughs> but what if Blake Gideon would have caught that interception against Texas Tech on Halloween night in 2008? I know that's one of your most painful losses, top three. But what if Blake Gideon would have held on to that ball? Uh, yeah, I think if you mentioned Blake Gideon's name around Texas, this is the one moment that uh, they kind of think of first in terms of his career. But I, I'm like iffy on this situation because this was obviously the play right before the game-winning catch by Crabtree with one second left on the clock. Um, it was a deflected pass. It went right through Blake Gideon's arms and legs. It looked like it was one of just one of the easiest um, interceptions that you think one could probably make. Um, but at the same time, obviously, if he would have caught that, it would have sealed the deal. Texas won. They were ranked number one at the time. Texas Tech was ranked number six. It was a very good matchup back and forth the whole time. A lot of ups and downs. But what if the defense would have held them on the play after that? So I think. Um, if the defense would have held them on the play after that, obviously with the one second level Crabtree scored, maybe that dropped interception wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Uh, but since it ultimately resulted in losing the game, that's a tough pill to swallow. What if Earl Thomas had shoved Crabtree out of bounds? Uh, Cause it looked like he had him. Yeah. And uh. It, uh, yeah. And it like, he can, uh, he caught that. What wasn't he double teamed? I want to say, yeah, it was it was there was two of them over there, and I re- I distinctly remember Earl Thomas being one of them. Uh, yeah, that that was one of those plays. But like the whole the Blake Gideon thing, like to me is that is that like for Texas fans, is that the equivalent of Chicago Cubs and Steve Bartman? Um, probably. I'm not a Cubs fan. I don't know too much about. Um, how they handle or feel about that. But uh, no one really speaks Blake Gideon's name around here anymore. And um, I know for several weeks following that, it was probably hard for him uh, to swallow. It was hard for the team to get over. Um, I know people around school uh, didn't want to see him, anything along those lines. So I'm not even sure if he showed his face for a while after that. So it was rough. Yeah, it was rough. But, you know, the worst part about it, obviously, is – that season, Texas beat Oklahoma uh, in in the Cotton Bowl uh, for the Red River rivalry, and then you know they lose to Tech, and then Tech turns around and gets stomped by Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma goes to the national championship game. Obviously, oh. and and that that's 
one of those where it hurts as well because you know because Texas had one loss all season, obviously against Texas Tech in that game. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma had one loss, so they're completely even. But because of the way the records went and it was a three-way tiebreaker, the fact that they Oklahoma got the nod over Texas, I know, did not sit well with Longhorn fans at all. And that's completely understandable, the fact that they beat them, mm-hmm. you know, in the Cotton Bowl, in, in the rivalry, and they got to watch them. So, you know, if if you go back and you do that, the what if. So it, what if Blake Gideon caught that ball? Texas goes on to the the Big 12 championship. Oh, yeah. They, they go on to likely win that game. Yep. Um, and then they go on to play in the BCS National Championship against Florida. So in a way, Blake Could you Gideon, have imagined Tebow versus McCoy? That would have that, been that's, awesome. that, that was my whole thing there, Lo. Like, like Blake Gideon robbed us. I've seen two of the most the most Winning prolific yeah. college quarterbacks, uh, a matchup between two of the best in Tim Tebow versus Colt McCoy, two of the all-time winningest college quarterbacks, and yeah. we didn't get to see that matchup because of a dropped interception. I know, that's painful, but you can look at it both ways. Yes, he dropped that interception. That probably would have been the most simple way to end that game, but mm-hmm. all they had to do was cover Crabtree at the end as well, and incomplete yep. pass would have ended that game as well. So you can look at it both ways, but knowing how easy that interception was and how it just kind of fell perfectly to him and he couldn't uh, he couldn't take advantage of that, it's, that's the most painful. Yeah, I think, and, you know, I think it's unfair to blame everything on uh, to Blake Gideon. Because there were so many opportunities in that game, you know, that uh, Texas could have, you know, taken over. Uh, not falling down early to Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's that was one, you know, it was a slow start for their offense. Uh, but let, let's be quite honest. The uh, the atmosphere was ridiculous uh, there, there in uh, Lubbock for that game. Uh, night games in Lubbock are always weird. And so it was just... It was a great – I'm not – just if you look at it, you know, look at it now. That game in 2008 had college football playoff written all over it. Oh, yeah. I remember exactly where I was, too. I was actually in college, and I had just finished a game, and everyone got together around this huge TV just because the hype was real for that game. Obviously, it felt like a playoff game, two highly ranked teams, number six and number one. Um, you just kind of had the feeling it was going to be a shootout. And it's weird because it really wasn't one of Colt McCoy's best games. I think he was 20 for 34. He had one interception, a, um, kind of a terrible interception, I would say, um, at a bad time in the game. But I don't know. Um, They still should have won, even though Colt McCoy had a kind of an off game for him. And that just goes to show how strong they looked that season. Yeah, they could, you know, let's just say that it did go that way. Right. And and Texas wins that game. Um, You know, they stop, you know, Blake Gideon catches the ball or they get the stop or, you know, whatever. Let's just say they win the game. That could have been back to back seasons with Colt McCoy getting an opportunity to win a national championship, which ultimately, had he played in two, I think people would be talking about him because he likely would have won one of them, uh, would be talking about him as the best quarterback ever at the University of Texas instead of Vince Young. Yeah, and I we kind of talk about this a lot. Like, is Vince yeah. Young really the best ever, best quarterback to ever play at Texas? Because I think 
you have to put him there, obviously, because he won that championship and he just completely took over games. But Colt McCoy gets overlooked quite a bit in terms of that discussion. I think he has a valid argument as one of the best or if not the best quarterback at Texas. He's one of the w- most winningest quarterbacks in um, college football in general. So I think he has to be in that discussion. Yeah, I think he, he definitely deserves to be in that discussion. It's just hard for me to put Colt over Vince right. based on what Vince did in that national championship and you could, game. You could, you could actually make an argument on this. What if about like getting dropped in this interception, you could say that kind of um, took Colt McCoy out of the Heisman race at the time. Yeah. Because they obviously you lose that game and, and you know, that hurts. And I know it, it, it stinks because when you look at players who win the Heisman nine times out of 10, they have to be in contention mm-hmm. for, um, a national championship, and and see to me, and that's a different discussion. What all together? That's my biggest beef with the Heisman Trophy is the Heisman Trophy should go to the best player in college football, regardless of how I the agree. team is doing. It shouldn't go to the best player on the best team. Um, you know that that's just my opinion on that. But we'll get we're gonna get into another what if coming up next. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Now, let me tell you, Built Bar is something that I have added to my everyday life. I'm really enjoying. I just got another box in. Uh, I had to get more peanut butter because, obviously, I'm a big peanut butter fan. But the great thing about these, it doesn't mess with your macros. I mean, you're talking about 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, seven times less sugar, seven times less carbs than the competing protein bar. The great thing, these do not taste like protein bars. They don't have the gritty taste. They don't have that chalky flavor to them. They're not difficult to eat. I don't have to immediately wash it down. But I want to give you an opportunity to try it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Try it out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box. And that is going all month long for the month of May. Again, go to BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On and tell them I sent you let me know, send me a text, shoot me an email, tweet at me, find me on Facebook, but uh, let me know what you think. Uh, I'd love to hear how other people are enjoying it. Again, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on. Kami, so we started off the conversation talking about the Blake Gideon play, but that brings me to another what if situation that I wanted to get into with you. Uh, Obviously, had he caught the ball, we were talking about Colt McCoy going to a national championship. The following year, Texas runs the table. They go to the national championship to face the vaunted Alabama Crimson Tide. (sighs) Yep. And Colt McCoy is leading them down to take an early lead in that game against Alabama. Uh, takes a what looked like a normal hit and costs Colt McCoy the rest of his game, rest of the game, and that would do it for the Colt McCoy era of Texas Longhorns football. Can you imagine going out like that? Jeez! Finally reaching the pinnacle yeah, of your like, college football career, your last uh-huh. opportunity, and you get injured. 
And going out like just your collegiate career, it's not like it happened his sophomore and junior year where he had another year to come back and kind of prove himself. That was the end of his career at Texas. That's just an awful way to go out. But I know it sparked an argument for a long time around the Austin area, whether McCoy could have finished that game, should have finished that game or not. I know he was uh, looking forward to the NFL and um, his overall health, but that was definitely the biggest argument around here for a while. And do you think that that could have hurt Colt McCoy's draft stock? I mean, he went in the third round. That's, you know, that's impressive upon itself. But had he won that game, do you think, you know, that he would be looked at differently because he won a national championship? I mean, we saw Tim Tebow go to multiple national championships. Many people didn't feel like he was a great NFL quarterback drafted in the first round. Didn't last too long in the league, but, uh, you know. I think when, it's when different. It, yeah, speaking in hindsight, like you're like you mentioned, Tim Tebow and lasting and things like that. Colt McCoy didn't really get much of a chance to prove himself in the NFL either. Um, I think if you were to ask Colt McCoy today, should he have done everything he could to finish that game? I bet I bet he would have said yes. So I'm curious to see how he views that. If he's confident in sitting out to kind of uh, hope for the best in terms of the NFL, because he got drafted later than he expected as well. So I think if he knew he was going to get drafted in the third round or something like that, he probably would push to try and finish um, that game at least. But yeah, that's, that's tricky. I didn't know all of the details about his shoulder injury. Um, I just know it was a big argument here. Some thinking he could have finished some saying he made the right decision. So who knows? So what if Colt McCoy had finished that game would Texas have won that game? Oh, for sure. I mean, he he only had a chance to go two for two, but obviously he looked fine. He looked ready for that game. Uh, Texas uh, jumped out with two field goals, so a 6-0 lead. Um, even shortly after he went down, I just think that was too big of a stage for Garrett Gilbert. Um, obviously, he had four interceptions in that game. That's incredibly hard um, to turn around from and and try and come out on top but I mean it was a 37-21 loss with a young quarterback in there on that type of stage with four interceptions so just imagine if you had one of the best players in all of college football leading that team I think they would have came away with the win yeah you talk about it you're talking about the the four interceptions uh were huge obviously Texas made a run even with Garrett Gilbert at quarterback uh, a guy who many people thought you know would make something of himself at the University of Texas. Obviously, it didn't last long. He ends up transferring to, uh, I believe it was SMU, uh, which seems to be a spot for former Texas quarterbacks to transfer. Uh, You know, when you talk about Shane Bouchelle, um, you know, so that that's really a tough deal for them. And and I think, if, like you said, if Colt McCoy plays, uh, they don't throw a pick six. Uh, I don't believe. I don't think that he's going to throw four interceptions. I mean, mm-hmm. very rare do we ever see McCoy. Because uh, McCoy, to me, seemed like he was risk-averse. Where, yeah. I mean, for the most part, he would take his opportunities down the field. He would take opportunities throwing the football. But for, you know, for some reason, when you when you watch him play, he wouldn't take the very high-risk throws. Um, you know, so he was completely different than most you know, big 12 quarterbacks in that they had a, uh, they had a gunslinger mentality. Like uh, I believe in my arm. I trust my arm. I'm just going to sling it. 
Yeah. And when I think back on that particular game, so we were talking about the most painful losses and things like that. That wasn't necessarily a painful loss for me just because when Colt McCoy went down, you kind of had no expectations at that point. You were just hoping for the best. But I think in terms of Colt McCoy's injury at that moment in general, like right when they mentioned he would not be returning to the game, that was a painful moment. I think at that time, everyone was just kind of like hanging their heads and things like that. And um, you kind of knew the game could be over at that point, but that injury was huge and will probably talk be talked about for many years to come. Yeah. The, the hit uh, that we always talk about with, with McCoy came from, you know, Marcel Darius who went on the NFL. Um, You know, it's interesting, you know, you think back to that and, and I know back in, I think it was 2015 or 2016, uh, have you ever heard of the Players' Tribune? Yeah, I've read a couple of those. Uh, so, actually, Colt McCoy opened up about that hit on uh, the Players' Tribune. Um, and, and I'll just read you a little excerpt of, of what he said. He goes, you know, st- still to this day, what strikes me the most was how normal the hit was. Uh, it was the same hit I'd taken a million times growing up on the dusty fields of Tuscola. My dad didn't even let me play football until I was in seventh grade because he wanted me to learn the proper way to hit and be hit. So I'd taken enough shots to know there wasn't anything particularly special about this one. But for one reason or the other, the tackle was different. This hit would change my whole life. I remember immediately after the collision, my only thought was what just happened. I didn't have any pain in my right arm. I didn't have any feeling at all. It was just entirely numb. Ugh. And so, I, you know, I think he brings up a good point about changing his entire life because I think after that hit, NFL scouts and teams themselves kind of mm-hmm. viewed him differently. I like, agree. you know, what if he gets that hit again? You know, and, and you know, it's always a uh, a risk assessment that they have to make with any player, especially one who's coming off of an injury. Right. Um, uh, you know, Colt didn't miss time for injuries. You know, he he was tough tough as nails and even in the nfl you saw him take some pretty violent hits uh and he would just get up and keep going you know and so i think you know that brings a different perspective about it about if he could have finished that game i doubt he would have considering he couldn't feel his arm so that means he couldn't hold a football or even throw one uh you know so that that's 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 a tough deal but like i said if that hit didn't take place, or if, if Colt could have somehow finished that game, I, I think that they beat Alabama, um, and you know, and I think that totally changes. I think it changes a lot of things, honestly, and, and not just for Colt McCoy, but uh, for the future of Mac Brown. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's a tricky subject. I because. I guess the argument was brought up, well, he wasn't in pain, so why didn't he finish out the game? Or at least why didn't he attempt to finish out the game? I think that was the biggest question. But like you mentioned, we don't know if he could even throw a football at that point or feel a football or whatever, um, or when that numbing period, I guess, uh, subsided. So I don't know. I guess it's going to be an argument for, um, I guess, years to come. But it was definitely the one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, in Texas football history. Yeah, I think that's a huge what if for Texas football. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's a, a what if game that Texas Longhorn fans have played in their heads throughout the years. Uh, you know, between that and the 
and the interception, the dropped interception in the tech game. You know, I think those are probably the two big what ifs, but we're going to get into another what if, maybe a couple more what ifs in the next segment. All right, Cammy. So I have another what if. Shoot it. What if Vince Young did not go to Texas? Then they would not have won a national championship. But well, obviously. Um, yeah, um, no, ser- no, seriously, he was the, well, I guess still one of the all-time best recruits of all time, um, definitely at uh, Texas for sure. And like we mentioned, he just completely took over games and probably one of the greatest football players to ever play the game. So obviously it's significant. Well, I mean, when you think about it, um, he was the number one recruit in Texas, number one nationally, number one dual-threat quarterback. And according to 24-7 Composites, he was the number one recruit of all time, at least tied. Jeez. I mean, you talk about, you don't get any more perfect. Yeah, that's a program changer right there in one single player. Uh, If you want to know some of the other names who have a perfect uh, recruiting score, Jadavion Clowney. Oh, Robert Nakamdichi, uh, Rashawn Gary. He was a defensive tackle in 2016. Uh, we also had Ernie Sims, who was actually the year after Young, and he he ended up going to Florida State. Uh, those are the only five players who have ever received a perfect rating. So those are your five best uh, recruits of all time. You know, it's interesting. Trevor Lawrence is is can't miss a prospect as you can get, and he still didn't have a perfect score. He was a .9999, so just .0001 behind Vince Young is arguably one of the top recruits of all time. Um, Justin Fields is also in the top ten, So, and we got we got to see those two go head-to-head in a national championship game, So, or uh, in a playoff game, I should say. But uh, So what if he hadn't gone to Texas? Uh Florida State was another team that was listed as one of the teams going after him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could they have had multiple state championship or state champ? Could they have had multiple national championship runs with Vince Young and then, you know, uh, Jameis Winston coming behind him? For sure. And you know what? This actually brought up a, a new what if that I just thought about. What if Vince Young, obviously he won that national championship. What if he would have stayed one more year? Oh boy. Yeah. Because I, the reason I'm asking is because I saw him actually admit something on Twitter recently. I guess it was shortly after the re air of the Rose Bowl. And he tweeted something along the lines of is the reason or one of the biggest reasons he chose to go to the NFL rather than return to Texas for one more year is because the Houston Texans had the number one pick and he was sure that he was going to be the number one pick and he wanted to stay home and play with for the Houston Texans and things like that. And so I think he kind of went into the NFL with a negative mindset, um, kind of thinking he would go there and then obviously being disappointed that he didn't go there. So I think in hindsight, he should have returned for one more year, but obviously he was one of the best players um, still to this day to ever play. So it makes sense why he chose to go to the NFL, but still. Yeah, I think let's, yeah, let's discuss that. 23, Let's talk about 2006, the year after. Uh, I don't 
I think they might have had a run at another national championship. For sure. Uh, when you look at that team, uh, second game of the year, Texas went up against uh, – they were ranked number two at the time. And uh, they went up against the number one Ohio State Buckeyes and lost 24-7. to Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me – and that was at Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium. So, uh, you know, that, that was a home game. So I think that changes things. I think he can, he would have the ability to bring them over the top in that game. I agree. And he still had Jamal Charles, and um, there's plenty of weapons at his disposal. I think they just – like we mentioned, Vince Young is a game changer. He's a program changer. Um, he, he completely takes over games, and he probably would have done that again if he returned for one more year or so. I just thought it was interesting that he went early kind of for the primary reason of wanting to play for the Texans, and then obviously that didn't end up working out for him. Yeah, and then and then you talk about – like they did beat Oklahoma that year 28-10, to 10, um, so I don't think that that would change it too much. They probably win bigger possibly mm-hmm. uh, in that game. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you take a look at their game against Kansas State that year, losing forty-five to forty-two, uh, which that was at Kansas State. But again, if, if Vince Young is playing, I think they win that game, and I think they score more than seven points the following week against Texas A&M. Oh yeah, that's the main you know, thing. They would have they would have put up more points with Vince Young on the board, whether they won a game or not. Uh, that's kind of a for sure given. Yeah, so so you look at the that all of that involved. I think they definitely uh, would have done better. I think they would have been playing for another national championship, and uh, I think you would have got Texas versus Florida uh, in the national championship game. Uh, do I think that they would have done any better against Florida than Ohio State did when they lost forty-one to fourteen? I don't know, maybe, but I still think that um, that was another opportunity that Texas could have potentially won a national championship. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's and, weird to think about these things in hindsight, but. You know uh, what, though? This kind of ties back, though, to Colt McCoy. Yeah. Because if he would have played in 2007 national championship game, the 2006 season, Colt McCoy likely red shirts his first year. And he would have another year to come back after the Alabama game. Uh, yep. I mean, so these types of oh, what if gosh, they just it's it's like they have a ripple effect, you oh, know, butterfly sure. effect, you know, where this one change. But let me ask you about another Vince Young related what if question. Mm-hmm. What if he hadn't have gone to Tennessee and played for that coach, Mister Seven and Nine himself? I know know he has kind of a history of, I guess, ruining or not developing quarterbacks and their careers and things like that. But now that I saw events tweeted in regards to kind of just going to the NFL because he wanted to play for the Texans and wanted that shot at playing for them, at least, I think he kind of went in with a negative mindset. I don't think he was necessarily prepared or ready for what the NFL life was going to bring him. Um, He started having some off the field issues and things like that. I don't know exactly what Fisher and Young's relationship was. Um, I thought he was going to have a successful NFL career and a a long-term one at that. And obviously that didn't play out, but I don't know. I just don't think his mindset was in the right frame of mind, I guess, when he was entering the NFL to begin with. 
Well, you, well, you think about that, right? And and you talk about Jeff Fisher, and this is kind of where I look at it. Like maybe he Vince Young would have been better off in the NFL if he'd have gone to any other team. Because you look yeah. at Jeff Fisher, and I know Jeff Fisher took. You know, he had Steve McNair uh, at one point, and you know he came close to a Super Bowl championship. Uh, but when you look at recent events and talk about him taking over the Rams and Jared Goff, Jared Goff was viewed as a bust almost immediately. And then yeah. the attitudes towards him changed when he got a new head coach. Right. And so that makes me think maybe what hurt Vince Young the most was playing for Jeff Fisher. Yeah, especially when you're that young and you're such a high-profile athlete and they're expecting so much from you. You need a coach that's going to be willing to uh, work with you, develop you, have confidence in you and things like that. So I do think that plays a large part in terms of his professional career. I do think it plays a ton in that. And, you know, and there's some more what-ifs that I want to get into later this week. Uh, When we return to the podcast on Wednesday, though, we're going to dive more into, you know, some recruiting news. Where are the top targets? Where are they leaning? And I got to ask a big question that we're probably going to get into is, uh, how much money do you think Tennessee is playing all these com- these commits? <laughs> oh, are they paying them? There's Too a bad much. man Too somewhere. Much. I know. Because there's some fishies going on over there. <laughs> so, uh, you know what you know, is funny? And uh, I got into I was talking with some of my colleagues at the different wire websites uh such as my buddy over at the buckeyes wire we both said you know it's something fishy like ohio state texas oklahoma these schools you expect to do well in recruiting but when tennessee pops up there all of a sudden you're like okay what's up yeah they're playing at something over there i just don't know what yeah that that seems like to be the case all right that's gonna do it for this edition of the locked on longhorns podcast make sure you tune in to the latest edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast for Candy and Patrick. And we will see you on Wednesday. Hook them.